Hello and good morning to you, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. Of course, it's your brother, Pastor Chidi Jacob, here this morning to share with us today's episode of our ongoing daily fellowship with the Word. That means we get together to eat of the communion of the body of the Lord. Don't forget, communion goes beyond the physical bread and wine. It is a representation of the body of Jesus. And what I serve you every morning is the communion of life. Praise God. Amen and amen. Don't forget what we are digging in, uh, the reality of heaven in our lives. And of course, if you have followed for a while, you know how we got here. We are certain beyond every reasonable doubt that whatever is in a man's heart becomes that man's reality. Whatever is in a man's heart becomes that man's reality. It will make sense why Jesus did not focus 100% on social works. Did you know that um, if if what people look at today are really the problems of man, Jesus would have just, if, don't forget, at a place, Jesus multiplied, um, you know, um, um, some few uh, loaves of bread and fishes and used it to feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So if physical food was a problem, he didn't lack the capacity to provide food for everybody in the world. There's no need for him to do any other thing. He would have just provided food for everybody. If housing was the problem, he would have provided housing for everybody. Now, let me tell you the other one that probably some of you have not thought about. If Satan and demons were really the problem, why didn't he focus on wiping them out? He would have just wiped them out completely. Build houses for everybody. Um, you know, give food to everybody. Remove Satan. Remove uh, demons. Clean them out completely. Put them in hell. Lock them up. And then say to us, leave. He didn't do any of that. He helped them when he could he helped them in many occasions right he multiplied bread in some occasions only in two occasions and that was to tell them that he is the bread of life right okay so but what did he focus to do he knows that man's problem was not outside of him man's problem was where inside of him and let me repeat that again. Jesus knew that man's problem was not outside of him. That man's problem is inside of him. That when you solve man's problem inside, every other thing on the outside will fall into place. Praise God. Amen and amen. As I've told you, no family will be in turmoil. No family will be upside down. When the spirit of people are full with joy, it's just not going to happen. And so Jesus, knowing that once in a while, he multiplied bread, gave them physical food to eat. And did you also notice that Jesus did not go healing every sick person did you notice that he didn't go healing every sick person he didn't go opening every physical blind eyes did you notice that jesus the things that we gather in church today are hardly what jesus brought people together but what did he spend time doing he spent time introducing teaching them the kingdom of heaven that is at hand because he wanted to replace what is in them with this understanding, this power, this spirit, this illumination of the spirit. Because once that enters into man, that man becomes complete. Praise God. That man's outside has no uh, no other force than to join and co cooperate with what is inside of him. Think about that, beloved. 
the church is focused on killing demons, looking for witches and wizards. But did you notice how Jesus handled that matter? If that was really our problem, you you think you think you think Jesus lacked the power to gather up Satan and lock him up somewhere for the rest of existence, or gather all the demons and burn them up, fry them up? But notice he he merely cast them out. Right? He merely cast them out. So, what did he focus on doing? He focused in renewing man's spirit. Because when a man's spirit is born again, a man's spirit is new, these things are not his problem. He has control over them. That man is able to provide. That man is able to thrive according to all the powers of God within him. And so if heaven, if the kingdom of heaven, if the kingdom of God is resting in a man, that man is able to think like heaven, right? Or act like heaven. That man is backed up by the power of heaven. That man has the resources within him to control his outside environment. Praise God, which is what Jesus demonstrated in many places. Beloved, just Think about that. And in like manner, just like Jesus Christ, don't forget how this thing go. We have to become aware of who we are. Because in the sense of it all, what man lacked was that we didn't know who God was. So we follow with superstitions and speculations. And because we don't know our source, God, we also did not know who we are. So Jesus came to show us who God is, so that by looking at him, we can also see who we are. Praise God. So we are waking up, being awakened from the dead. We are being raised from the dead. We are the blind that was blind, but now we are seeing. What are we seeing? We are now seeing who we are. We are now seeing what we have. And beloved brothers and sisters, the highest we can do is to open up our heart and accept that. Accept the reality of who we are. Accept the reality of what we have. That heaven is the presence of God in a man's life. In the is the presence of God in a man's spirit. Is the spirit of God tabernacling, dwelling in a man. Praise God. Amen and amen. And today, I want to read the other portion of Revelation chapter 21. I read some yesterday, right? And I'm going to read that again this morning, beginning again from verse number three. Don't forget what he said. He says, Revelation 21, verse 20, verse 21. Remember what he says. He said, I had a thunderous voice from the throne saying, what was this voice saying? This voice was preaching. This voice was declaring, hey, guys. The throne, the tabernacle of God is now with human beings. In other words, stop looking for it upstairs. Stop searching for the dwelling place of God. It's a message, beloved. He said, I had a loud, a thunderous voice. What was the voice saying? Prepare and come upstairs. No, he didn't say that. Oh, uh, God has come to, uh, um, you know, show you a video of your life uh, so that you stand in line with unbelievers. On that last day, God will show you the video of your life. And, um, you know, um, if you're good at ways you're bad, then he will say, okay, my beloved child, go into heaven. And then if you're bad at ways you're good, he will say, okay, the angel will carry you and throw you into hell. These things are 
childhood fantasies these are childhood fantasies don't be, don't 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 forget that but these things are not fantasies because they they are the things that form the bread the bedrock of our faith the way we look at god the way we see god and the way we relate with god and those things are very injurious to think about god in that like manner injures our spirit uh, by the way by the way there is no place in the bible anywhere if you find please let me know where it says that believers and unbelievers the righteous and the unrighteous will queue up in one line to be judged by anybody if you find anything like that anywhere in the scripture please get back to me but today beloved did you know that the majority of the church world still believes that? But these are not faith. These are not truth. These are childhood fantasies. Praise God. Now, but let me go back to this. What did he say? He said, don't forget, I had what? A loud, I had a thundering voice from the throne proclaiming. What is that voice proclaiming? Look, he says, God's tabernacle is with human beings. That means God has come down to dwell in men, with men, and among where? Men. And from now on, he will tabernacle, he will dwell with them as their God. Don't forget what I pointed out yesterday. God himself, not a replica of God, not something that looks like God, not an image of God. No, God. now God himself will make his home. Hallelujah. God will make his home. Where? In the skies mm -mm, with them. Now, and that means, what that means is that God with them will be their God. I want you to pay attention to this particular line. God with them. What will be my God is God with me. Right? Emmanuel. Don't forget. God becoming one of us. God became one of us. That all of us will become one in him. That's, if you ask me to summarize everything the coming of Christ represented, that's it in one sentence. Emmanuel, God became one of us so that we, all of us, will become one where? In him. Praise God. Amen. And amen. Now, I'm going to the place I promised yesterday that I was going to read. And this is the place I want you to tabernacle. You too dwell in these scriptures. Praise God. Amen and amen. He says, he, not us, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now stop. Have you noticed that all of these are the works of God? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that it's God that will be with them? It's God that will be doing. Let me tell you something that's so amazing about the gospel. When the gospel of Christ hits your heart, right? I don't have to teach you humility. No, I don't need to. If you truly open up your heart to receive the gospel of Christ, I don't need to teach you humility. You know why? You become humble by default because you know that everything that you are enjoying you did not earn it. You did not qualify for it, right? It, they are all gifts that God gave to you. It's not because you are perfect. It's not because you are holy. Of course, now we are perfect in him. Not even because we are perfect outside, right? But in him, we are perfect. So you know that everything we are enjoying with God or from God is by his own making, 
is by his own kindness, is the expression of his love. It's not because I qualified for it. It's not because I got it, right? So it humbles me. It makes me very humble. What could I have done to qualify as the dwelling place of God? Oh yeah, tell me now. What could you have done to qualify as a dwelling place of God? But this is the work of God. Jesus is the one that, that says there are many mansions where in my father's house. He is the one building the house, friend. All we have to do is allow him to perfect what he has built. So I don't have to teach you humility. If you receive the gospel, the fruit of it is that you're humble. Number two, number two, you will start to judge less. One thing that is common about around religious people is that you have to teach them humility. You know why? When you tell a man that God is blessing him because he has prayed enough, because he has fasted enough, because he has served enough, because he has made himself to qualify, humility can never be in the heart of that man. So because when he looks at other people, he looks at you and God is not blessing you because you have not fasted enough, because you have not prayed enough, because you have not sown enough seed. No, that can never generate humility in man's heart. But don't forget, the gospel does them opposite because you know i am perfectly righteous sitting here this morning and if you believe it you listening to me if you have put your faith in christ you are so perfectly righteous not because you did everything perfectly well no sir it's a gift that he gave to us so if i got it by gift right why will i now look down on you why would I think of myself as better than you? Have you noticed if you're around religious people, that's what they do. They measure their holiness. They talk to you like you are the one that is sinner. They are the righteous. No, all of us are saved by grace. You can see why men fight this gospel because there's no, there's no space in the need for any man to boast. And that's why they fight. They want to score themselves who is holier, who prays longer, who fast longer, who give more money. That's how they want to pride themselves. Don't forget, don't forget, Jesus knocked them down. Jesus sat at the temple and observed them collecting offering. After they gave offering, he called the disciples and said, you see that poor widow that gave the least. He says in the eyes of, in the eyes of God, she, she gave the highest. You know, was her offering the highest? No, it was what it cost her from her heart. To give, So you see, the way man measures is not the way God measures. Again, don't forget how I got here. Don't forget what I'm trying to explain to you today. So in addition, if you receive the gospel, you judge people less. If you're in the midst of religious people, they judge all the time. They judge all the time. If you receive the gospel, you judge people less because you start to see everybody as victims who need help. They need help. Because we don't know what we're doing. Because we're lost walking in darkness. They don't know any better. That's why Jesus will look at them and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what we, what they are doing. But religious people will judge, condemn, and crucify and look for fire to fry out the person. And so don't forget that. These are the fruits that will manifest to every heart that opens the gospel. Now, let me go back to what I was saying. Look at what it says here. He will wipe away. This is where I want to concentrate today's message. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the question I want to ask you today, do you think that God will be angry if we expect by faith to experience this, where God wipes away every of my tear from my eyes. Have I told you what is limiting men? 
that what is limiting men is the tears. These tears doesn't necessarily mean the tears that you flow is flowing up. It's all the pains that you have gone through all your life. They have formed a blockage inside of you that is limiting you, right? And then remember what I told you that the gospel, the purpose of the gospel is to restore men's heart to the fullness of God's glory. Isn't that what I told you? And look at it here. He said he will wipe away every tear. So will God be upset that you are believing today by faith that this can be your physical reality, that heaven has come down to your heart, that God is in your heart. And because God is in you, you are the tabernacle of God, you are the dwelling place of God, that this God who is in you is able to wipe away every tear from your eyes. Do you think God will be upset if you believe that? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so that's why I'm painting this scripture over to you. That today, if I acknowledge that God is in my heart, that I am the temple of God, I am the dwelling place of God, I can begin to profess. Father, I thank you that because you are me, you have wiped away every tear from my eyes. Father, because I am your dwelling place, because you are in me, because you have become me, I have become you. Father, I thank you. This is my confession. This is my prayer, morning, day and night. Thank you because you have wiped away every tears. I rejoice because you have wiped away every tear that I have ever cried before, every pain that you have wiped it away. And he says, and eliminate death entirely. Of course, you know that there's no death for a believer. You know that. And I'm going to talk about that more. Don't, don't, don't forget what people call death is the transition between two realms, right? And I was, I was having this conversation with one of our sisters the other day. Why do people fear death so much? Because they are not sure what is going to happen the other side. Praise God. Of course, you know that a believer does not die. No one will mourn or weep any longer. Sir, again, again. Is this not the goodness of God? Is it not God? Is this, isn't this what? Okay, let's leave God apart. If you're a parent listening to me this morning, wouldn't you want this to be the reality of your children, right? Wouldn't you want this to be their reality, right? It says no one will mourn or weep any longer. No one will mourn or weep any longer. Is this something we should expect to happen after when we weep here, we mourn here, we stay in pain, we live in pain, we die in pain, then we now go to a physical place in the sky where we will weep no longer. Or by faith, can we begin to expect, right? Don't forget, this is not my work. This is not your work. This is the work of God. But what I'm saying is that to enlarge our heart, right? To enlarge our This is not a prayer of, Father, you are going to do it. Father, you are going to wipe away my tears. No, it's to receive it by faith, to say as you lay your head to sleep, as you wake up in the morning, as you're on your dining table, as you're in the shower, I thank you, Father, because your presence is in me, because you are in me, you have wiped away every of my tears. I thank you, Father, because now on, your joy is my strength, your love is my... I mean, that's what I'm talking to you about. Remember, as you're doing that, you are not asking God to do something. You're only accepting. You're only enlarging your heart. You're only creating space to begin to manifest that which God has already done. Praise God. Don't forget where we read in Hebrews. He said, we are not going to. We have already entered. Praise God. Now, he says, look at this. The pain of wounds will no longer exist. Beloved, if you listen to me carefully, you've heard me talk about pains, right? 
pain. Pain. Because these are the things that destroy men. Something happened to you alongside in your life. That pain stood in your heart. It changed you completely. That pain stood in your heart. Did you know today you can be pastoring and carrying that pain? Did you know that? You can be a bishop and be carrying that pain. You know that. You can become the president of a country and be carrying that pain. Did you know that you can become very successful and still carrying that pain? What happens is that that pain continues to rule your life. Oh God, that's why I'm telling you, God's miracle is healing us from inside. Again, everything that is done here, you can see is a work inside. It's a work inside of men. He talks about wiping away tears. Nobody will mourn. Nobody will weep. The pains will no longer exist. Where are this work? Is inside of a man. That means when heaven enters a man, the joy of heaven enters a man. The peace of heaven enters a man. The pain that that man will carry all his life will no longer exist. Some of you, your life will transform immediately. What I mean is immediately when the pains that has stopped you is eliminated. You will see yourself flourish in a different way, completely and absolutely. You will see yourself born again, again. Praise God. This time around, for real, because what has stopped you has been completely eliminated. Some of you, you notice that you no longer fear. The things that terrified you are no longer there. The things that makes you go to bed, you can't sleep, are no longer there. The things that has pursued you ever since you open up your eyes are no longer there. Why? Because the seat of heaven has taken place. Praise God. Amen and amen. And let me tell you the last line. You know what it says? For the old order has ceased. For the old order. This time around, notice it no longer calls it heaven or earth. It says it's an order, right? The order translation says all the first things, right? The first kingdom, the first ideology, the first way of doing things have ceased. The earth have ceased. Heaven has come. Praise God. Amen and amen. Beloved, don't forget what I told you. The purpose of this teaching is not to argue. It's not to talk like we are wiser than everybody. No, not at all. The the reason, the purpose of this teaching is to reveal to you, is to open your eyes and your heart, to accept the reality of the heaven that is in you so that that which is in you can begin to transform your physical body, can begin to transform your living experience, can begin to transform your home, your families, parents. Is it not better that your children are raised in heaven? Is it not better that you operate? Friends, think about what I'm telling you. This is the purpose of this teaching. And if you keep your mind on it, open your heart, it's going to be your reality. Praise God. Amen and amen. Because I know the truth of which I speak. Don't forget the power of God to save and deliver is not in anything else. It is in the gospel, the gospel that is too good to be true. Amen and amen. Let me stop here. I've gone three minutes above my time. And I'll come back to you again tomorrow. For, don't forget to help me spread this wonderful message about heaven to as many as you can. And don't forget that this morning you have been served. Shalom.